For April 1st, 2012, it's the Overthinking and Podcast, episode 196. I've brought a GUI to a CLI fight. This podcast is brought to you by The Overview, overthinkingit.com series of alternative commentaries for your favorite movies. Ever wanted to watch a movie with your smart, funny internet pals from www.overthinkingit.com? Well, now you can. Just download the track, queue up a copy of the movie, and let the laughs and the learning begin. We've got Starship Troopers, Independence Day, Ghostbusters 2, and our special featured edition, Die Hard. Find us on the web at overthinkingit.com slash store. That's the overview at overthinkingit.com slash store. Welcome to the Overthinking It podcast, the hottest tech news and gadget gossip podcast on the intertubes. All your tech news are belong to us. Hello, my future girlfriend. I'm Matt Rather here uh, with the panel to give you all the uh, all the t- the the techno techno punditry you can possibly handle. Uh, and we have a special guest with us because it's an all tech all the time show. Uh, Apple gadget. Um, show it's uh, <laughs> Apple Gadget Apple doesn't gadget. sound like a family friendly term. <laughs> I think that's a, a movie, that's a really great movie. Apple Gadget, I remember oh, seeing Oh, that. hey, that's Randall Schwartz, Merlin at Stonehenge.com. Welcome back to the Overthinking a Podcast. Well, thanks for having me again. You know, it's been so long, I think it's been all of like a month and a half or four months, one of the two. Yeah, uh, so we are going to uh, start off panel with the question of the week What is your favorite gadget? What is your favorite gadget? Uh, first in the alphabet, it is Peter Fenzel. Let me tell you a word. Design. Let me tell you another word. Function. Let me tell you a third word. Toothbrush. <laughs> the Philips Sonicare toothbrush. It's elegant, sleek, functional, integrated, innovative, synergistic, daily, cleans your teeth. It's the future. It's the future, people. Technology. Brush with it. <laughs> and, and why are you laughing? This is very serious business. Design and innovation are not to be laughed at. Do not make me take this turtleneck off and come over there and smack you with it. What is, what is uh, innovative about your toothbrush, Pete? Yes. Well, it buzzes when I push a button. <laughs> I was say, that, that was one of my top five favorite TED Talks ever, Pete, what you just delivered Look, there. Let me explain to you what's innovative about this toothbrush. Other toothbrushes, you look on television, and it says, four to five dentists recommend this toothbrush. Whereas this toothbrush, my dentist told me to buy on explicit orders because my, my, I was in treatment for potential developing periodontal problems. So he said, buy a Sonicare toothbrush. Have this coupon. Look, innovation, synergy, elegance, form, function, coupon for a Sonicare toothbrush. Go to Macy's to the home store. Buy a Sonicare toothbrush. White plastic, molded, fits in your hand. Can't make a phone call. Brushes your teeth. There you go. <laughs> Look, this is the future, and if you guys are going to laugh at me about it, I'm going to take my future, and I'm going to go somewhere else. All right? No, Pete, we're very glad to have you here. Okay. I'm overthinking a podcast. Excuse me for Design. one Design. <laughs> Innovation. All right. <laughs> excuse, me. Uh, so, excuse me one minute. I have to update Linux. 
uh, app get <laughs> upgrade. Take a while. Oh, 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 damn it. Pseudo. Uh, Pseudo. Bang, bang. Make me a sandwich. Oh, it wants my, it wants my password. Okay, P-A-S-S-W-O-R-D, one, two, three, enter. Oh, no, I've given, use... the, I've given away the root password for the overthinkingit.com server. Randall Schwartz, <laughs> quick, distract us while I change it. Oh, look, shiny object. <laughs> look, guys, what you don't know is that password is actually entry to the hot new alternative reality game on overthinkingit.com. If you can access our, uh, our server through the root password, you'll find cool puzzles and hidden games and all sorts of other fun yes. gadgetry and fun stuff. In Soviet in Russia, game plays yes. you. Yeah, the, 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 the puzzles and games will look an awful lot like it's just asking you to rate us on iTunes and send us money. <laughs> but trust us, they are super cool alternate reality. Right, put games. in put in your actual real PayPal password because that's the only uh-huh. uh, that's the only way we have to verify that it's absolutely uh, user yeah. experience. Favorite user gadget. Experience. <laughs> Favorite gadget, Randall. What's it gonna be? Oh, my next alphabetically. Really, are, I yeah, am. Yeah, Schwartz comes before Schechner. It it often does. <laughs> one, one of the most obscure grammatical rules ever there. That's <laughs> like I before E, except when Schwartz yeah. becomes before Schechner. Right. Right. Alphabetic okay. order, innovation, design. <laughs> so the most important gadget I have today is right in front of me. It is the, it is the, I'm looking right here, it is the Belkin USB 2.0 four-port ultra mini hub. Oh, nice. Because it says... Featuring a slim, compact design, the Belkin USB 2.0 4-port Ultra Mini Hub lets you connect up to four peripherals to a single open port on your laptop for functionality anywhere you go. I I think this is important because my laptop is endowed with only three holes. One of these is running the 4G card that I'm talking to you with. The second has my iPhone plugged in. And the third would have to have two or three other devices in it. But thank God I have this 4-port Portable USB hub. It allows yeah. me to just connect things. Uh, so is it, is this actually an April Fool's Day podcast, or is this not an April Fool's Day podcast? <laughs> we are so close to getting a sponsor. Pete. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Belkin, I thought it was an Belkin, April Fool's Day Belkin. podcast. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Looks like we're really talking about USB ports, people. All right, buckle in, strap in. Let's do this. Pete, Pete, if you have a better Oddly serial, enough, I have only one thing plugged into it. <laughs> I could have avoided it entirely. That's, that's that. Now that's comedy. That's comedy. Right? <laughs> and actually, you've daisy-chained three or four of them together. So that, you know what I mean? So that the bus power is so diluted by the point. If I had that, I would be doing that now. I would just, just on, just on a whim, I would actually now start doing that, but no. Uh, No. Yeah. And then the last one is plugged into itself. What alternate universe? (laughs) Dave Schechner, favorite gadget. Wow. I'm going to go, I'm going to go super old school because Pete, Pete, it's all about the future. And I believe that with the impending nuclear apocalypse, the future will also be the past. Uh, so I'm going to say that my favorite gadget of all time is the Atlatl. The Atlatl. Atlatl. I thought you were going to say, I thought, Dave, I thought you were going to say the inclined plane, simplest of all tools. Yeah, wait, what's true. the Atlatl? Tell me what an Atlatl yeah, is. The, the Atlatl yeah, is, is this, in, wait, so does anyone else on the podcast know what an Atlatl is? 
innovation I'm Googling design. now. All <laughs> <laughs> I know is how to say innovation and design. I don't know anything else. <laughs> I'm an executive. You're the idea guy. Do this. <laughs> uh, I'll look up exactly with this what... at ladle. That's not helping. Yeah. <laughs> no, and at, at ladle is like one of those walking things in uh, Return of the in, in uh, Empire Strikes Back that also serves exactly. as like a soup distributor, right? right. No, so an at ladle yeah. is this Paleolithic tool uh, that gives people an extra elbow because who hasn't thought to themselves, "Geez, if only I had an extra elbow." Uh, what it, what it is is basically like a long it's a long stick with a depression at the end of it so it kind of looks like a long thin spoon and what you do is you put the the butt end of a spear into that depression and then you use the atlatl to throw the spear and giving yourself that extra elbow gives like it, i think it actually uh, doubles the amount of force or maybe it's it's uh, raises the root to a power of two it squares squares the force uh, that you've got that you give to the spear anyway the the point is uh, i saw a demonstration of the atlatl up close and personal once, and it was pretty damn amazing. So it's he's, like he's, a it's like a highlight stick, but for a for a but for spear, but, 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 for, but for you know for killing uh, mastodons, right? It, it's a it's a mastodon killing highlight, which who wouldn't want to watch that? Absolutely, uh, and I don't want to know. All these people these days who are doing these trendy diets like the paleo diet, the paleolithic diet. If you are not killing your own grass fed elk with an atlatl. Uh, with an art, with an artisanal uh, heirloom atlatl. Uh, Dave, I believe mm. it's pronounced artisanal. But the what? Uh, <laughs> what I, I said butt end of a spear before you ever got artisanal, it. artisanal, artisanal. <laughs> <laughs> That's the new question of the week. How do you pronounce the word artisanal? Yeah, I'm, um, I'm just going to go with artisanal. Yeah. Uh, so, so, yeah. so I, I say this quick thing about the atlatl. The, these guys are doing a demonstration, trying to figure out um, how effective this would be as as a tool. And their their assay was they were just taking a spear and throwing it at an archery target that had like a pressure sensor at the back of it, and they got like you know one of like the the you know, captains of the track team to go out and and you know, do the experiment, and so they measure them just like chucking the spear into the archery target, and they get you know however many newtons of force, and they're all sort of like watching their computer to monitor as this goes, and the guy trains a little bit with the atlatl and then goes to actually like use the things so they can measure how much force it generates. And there's this sort of spike on the computer uh, readout and then just an error message. And everyone's just sitting there sort of groaning out loud, oh, what's happened? Have we lost connection? Blah, 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 blah. No one's actually looking at the result of the experiment except for the archery, uh, or except for the, the, the track guy um, who's just beside himself. Because using that ladle, the spear has gone through the archery target completely, gone through the like two inches of, um, of silicon pressurized sensor that they have, and has buried itself completely under the surface of the grass about 10 feet behind it. So if you're ever out there and you have a spear and you have a stick and you have a living mastodon that you want to make a dead mastodon. <laughs> That's all you need, baby. Just say Atlatl. Also, uh, you wait, know, wait, you let can... me get this list. Let me get this list. Mastodon yeah. and uh-huh. spear uh-huh. <laughs> and right. stick. You or you, you can just go to the sure World Atlatl Association, <laughs> worldatlatl.org, and their quarterly newsletter, The Atlatl, which they've been publishing since 1957, <laughs> can give you all the updated information that you want on Atlatl. <laughs> That is a ridiculous. Do they fabric. fling it at you from their office? <laughs> yeah, they actually, yeah. They don't have. They don't have to they, use the postal system because they, they, they can throw with such efficiency that it makes its way across the country. Whoosh. It's a West Coast. Can we come? Whoosh. Publications called the Atlatlist, by the way. The Atlatlist. The gentleman Atlatlist. Well, you know, as just as the Marines are the tip of the spear, I always suspected Dave that you were the butt end of the spear. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> uh, well, uh, I'll tell you what I'm not going to pick. I'm not going to pick uh, the inclined plane, uh, which is, like me, the simplest of all tools. 
Oh, snap. I think the levers blow that. Come on. I, w- I, was, going to, I was going to choose an Apple gadget uh, as my favorite gadget, because you all know I'm a fan uh, of the Apple gadgets. So I was going to choose mm-hmm. the, uh, you know, the, the, the little metal uh, knife cutty thing that, you know, it looks kind of like a spider web. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, you're going to go get William-Sonoma and get yourself an yeah, Apple gadget. Exactly. Like a, like yeah. a, it looks like a kind of a, an eight-inch spider web, and you push it down over the Apple, and not only does it remove the core but no uh, i'm going to go uh with another gadget that i happen to like and use um uh, maybe every other day it's the immersion blender it's a uh which is like a propeller uh. on the end of a on the end of a big stick and um uh you know, you put it, say you, uh, you know, say you've, um, what, cooked up a, a load of cauliflower, right? You've steamed it and you want a cauliflower puree. Before, you had to transfer the cauliflower into your blender or food processor and uh, process it down, which, uh, you know. Is- I'm not going to do that nonsense. That's ridiculous. I have teeth to brush. <laughs> Screw that. I'll brush my teeth. <laughs> I've got mastodons to fell. Right. So, so what you do is you take your immersion blender and stick the business end of it, the propeller end of it, into your pot of uh, moist, of, you know, softened uh, cauliflower, and you turn it on. And there is a, uh, an enormous whirring noise, and the whole thing begins to shake um, in your hand, like a very, very powerful electric toothbrush that is also making delicious food. And it, uh, you know, wow. it, you, you just wave it around in there, and it, uh, it <laughs> turns your cauliflower, or carrots, or... Uh, Oh, what else have I done? Potatoes into a whipped, uh, you know, airy light, um, almost confection of uh, of the thing that it was before. So the immersion blender, my favorite, my favorite gadget. You're saying, you know, the sexual undertones of everything you've been saying. (laughs) I'm sorry. I just kept picking up on that sexual undertones. Uh, Yeah. Oh, I I don't know what you're talking all the way through. Right. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Uh, could you elaborate for us, Randall? <laughs> no, please don't. I'm, I'm just thinking. No. <laughs> we're we're racking up the chili peppers. We're racking innovation, the- design, <laughs> podcasting, and mastodon. Never mind. Right. Exactly. This right. is about the user, people. You have to think about the user, but not too much, and don't look straight at him because he's getting kind of creeped out. Yeah, baby. It's benefits, not features. It's benefits, not features. <laughs> this is the podcast yes. with benefits, uh, not features. <laughs> <laughs> Your podcast with benefits, without friends. Yeah, benefits yeah. Without friends. exactly. <laughs> and because uh, also because I kind of look like the uh, I look like the blank from Dick Tracy. I am the podcaster with benefits. <laughs> 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 All right, so. Uh, <laughs> Well, I think we continue just the, the, the train of ridiculousness here on the, the underthinking it gadget gadget podcast. Uh, you had an idea uh, of a great podcast topic, Randall, which is, which is this. Um, did you know, in the spirit of April Fool's Day, did you know that many of your favorite television shows are lying to you? <gasps> yes. It's true. No. For example. Also, although, ironically, not the show Lie to Me. <laughs> that's just it's just nonstop truth. Actually, lie to me, lie to me is actually a great a great example of of precisely f- the phenomenon that Randall was talking about when he brought up uh, this topic uh-huh. to me offline. Um, lie to me purports to take place in our nation's capital, uh, Washington, the city of Washington, in the District of Columbia, but in fact, it is shot in the city of Los Angeles. And the way I know this. <gasps> 
is Wait, because... Wait, I thought it was Boston. No? No. Nah, not, nothing shot. Really? LA? Okay, yeah. LA. Oh, yeah. Sorry, go shot, ahead. Not, not, even, not even shows that take place in Boston. Uh, because... Um, uh, yeah. being, okay. being an actor, and, and an actor who graduated last year with a master's degree in acting mm-hmm. from, uh, mm-hmm. from a master's degree program, I happen to know many, many waiters in this fine city of Los Angeles. And one of my friends uh, works at a restaurant where they shot an episode of A Lie to Me, or a scene from an episode of Lie to Me. And when I saw okay. that restaurant in the, uh, in the actual episode, there was no mention made of the fact that the, uh, the actors were not, in fact, in Washington, D.C., but were in a restaurant uh, in Culver City, California. And uh, you're claiming fiction. This yeah, is fiction. It was it was fiction. It was not not only not only was the story fictional. But mm-hmm. the, the visual images themselves were uh, were a sort of fiction. So I I think Randall, you you uh, found a show that was shot in your uh, your sh- your hometown. Is that not? Is yes, that not yes. True? I I occasionally still claim that Portland is my hometown, even though I'm rarely there anymore. But it is interesting that there's been a number of movies and television shows shot in Portland. The probably the most recent famous series that is shot. In fact, in Portland, but has been claiming for four seasons. No, actually, first season, they weren't shot in Portland. But for the, remi- the, re- the three most recent seasons, they've been claiming that they've been shooting in Boston, but in fact, they're shooting in Portland, uh, is um, um, Leverage. And I really like that show, except when they're driving down the Hawthorne Bridge and claiming it's some you know, transitional bridge somewhere in Cambridge or How something. And I go, no, no. I mean, they're even standing in front of the Portland trolley, and you know they're going. There we go. That's you know that's not the L. It's not even are close. You, are you telling me they're depicting drivable roads and claiming to be in the Greater Boston area? <laughs> yeah, well, that's part of it. Yes, yes. Yeah, I, I that, call shenanigans, sir. Yeah, they're driving. Wow, this dig is big. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was finished really, really quickly and under budget. <laughs> they even have uh, like an Irish bar where they're sort of based of, or at least were until the beginning of this season. And uh, and again, that was all. There was, some of that was a soundstage, I think, actually somewhere else. But most of it was actually shot physically here in Portland. Uh, here, I say here. Uh, there in Portland, uh, since I'm not physically there at the moment, I can't claim that. I also like, though, that we've had many movies shot in Portland, again, claiming other locations. Uh, Free Willy, for example, somehow the child and free willy was able to bicycle uh a distance that would have been 70 miles in an afternoon <laughs> i'm thinking no that was that wouldn't have been or it's an order of like 20 minutes but uh claiming to go places from place to place but yeah so there's this there's this trend of using some city and claiming it's some other city uh probably because of tax breaks <laughs> i think yeah. i have no idea why well, like, like all the places I'm thinking, like, has there ever been anything that's actually set in Vancouver? <laughs> right. Especially because given all the shot, I mean, like, how many off-world Stargate One planets look just like the woods outside of Vancouver? Yeah. Yeah, if you look really, if you look, if you look really carefully, there's some goofs on Stargate S, S uh, whatever it was, where you can really? see them filming uh, an X-Files remake in the background, too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. The, um, it's amazing. That is an amazing uh, uh, property of the universe is that a lot of planets uh, out there <laughs> in the many galaxies, of, you know, they actually look my, like my, my, yeah. 
Yeah, my favorite Vancouver shot film has got to be Rumble in the Bronx. Uh, because, you know, anyone who's ever been to the Bronx knows that just outside the urban sprawl are a bunch of luscious green mountains. <laughs> They're called the Catskills, and that's where comedians go over the summer to... Oh, God, I never should have invoked the Borscht Belt. My, um, uh, my favorite... Oh, sorry, Randall. I was just going to say what raised this conversation point as we were chatting about this earlier was the idea that uh, in fairness and honesty, since Leverage needed to move to a new location uh, in the storyline at the end of the fourth season, are now actually filming in Portland, claiming it's Portland, which is going to be interesting if they go back to – now, this will be the puzzle. If they go back to a background that they used before – and now say it's the Portland place rather than the Boston place because since they're good locations. Yeah, it's supposed, I'm to, wondering, it's supposed to be something else. Yeah. Yeah, I'm wondering if they're going if they're going to have a tip of the like an inside tip of the hat to recognize that oh yeah this really was this Portland location but we claimed it was something else in the Boston part of the series that's sort of right. interesting so I'm I'm sort of looking forward to that I'm I'm going to watch every Portland scene and see if they're actually calling it as it is now there's also shows that are filmed in Portland that claim Portland like Portlandia which I'm really getting Portland- into yeah Portlandia uh, funny story filmed in Utah. Just, no, no, no just, I recognize just the streets. What they, do, they deck them out. What? How that work? Yeah. yeah, just kidding. How they get? How they? Uh, those are some fantastic buttes that they have in that show. You know what I mean? <laughs> so <laughs> I see your okay. buttes and crazy. Yes, uh, and also the um, um, the 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 new series Grim, which I'm also digging and getting into, uh, is. Amazingly, being true to the genre once again, they're filming in Portland, but claiming actual Portland locations. They're using like the Portland Police Bureau. They're using Forest Park, and that's actually why they chose the city. We have the largest wooded city park in the world in city limits. We are, you know, there's other claims for larger parks in city, but we're the largest wooded park that's the only way we get there and uh so it's really wonderful they, they go off into the woods and it's i know those woods i've been up in forest park many times and uh i, I appreciate that they're actually calling it what it is however it's fascinating that every time they talk about a perp or something you know they, they talk about some sort of specific street or whatever they mangle that so you know they go to some location but the location's not the name of the street that's actually there so 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 wait so so i'm having a little tough so the, the issue are people upset that they're being that they are people are you upset or saying that it's somehow dishonest to represent a city as another city are we talking about the experience of seeing that city and feeling like it's another city I, i'm just trying to understand um like what the deal is here because i because i feel like there's a couple of different ways that where you say yeah. the thing takes place and where it actually is filmed can interact with each other I mean, just for the quick record, the TV show filmed in my hometown uh, was Ed. <laughs> um, Stuckeyville, Ohio, is a oh, series of wow. towns in northern New Jersey. Uh, but yeah, but so, but I, that's neither here nor there. Like, I don't feel like you know Ohio is being northern New Jersey is being misrepresented by being presented in Ed as Ohio. I don't really feel a lack of. Uh, and The Sopranos, though, of course, is shot in northern New Jersey as northern New Jersey. Right, but I don't yeah. feel disserved by Ed. But I feel like Sopranos does me a little bit of extra in terms of cred, but not Ed cred. 
Wait a minute. I'm just trying to see, like, why does this matter? Like, why is – I mean, why, why does it not matter? Why – one or the other? What's the, what's the deal, you know? I think if it was consistent that they would keep portraying Portland as Boston would actually be one thing. But now to be actually filming in Portland and calling it Portland and perhaps going by the very same street again would be a little odd. I think you, you, I think that's where the dishonesty is. I think that's where they're going to get in trouble as a you know, continuity error. Because maybe now they're going to go by the same street. Maybe that's that subtle commentary on like the um, the loss of humanity and the emerging anonymity of our urban lifestyle. That like <laughs> they're nominally say, in two say more different... about that. Say more. Well, say more. Uh, right, yeah, they're they're nominally in two different cities, but uh, but who can tell the difference? You know, they look pretty much just the same. Yeah. <laughs> so is that is that hey, we wish I, our cities I've looked more to, distinct? Yeah. I've been to Boston. I've been to Portland. They're very different. Yeah. Well, you can drive in in Portland, right? Uh, more or less. You can be. I, I can legally, I can legally drive in Portland. I can legally drive in Boston. So yeah, I guess that's the same thing. But they, however, uh, trivia, trivia fact. Can I bring in a trivia fact? Please. Am I allowed? Yeah, sure. So pro tip. <laughs> pro tips are my favorite tips. They're far better than amateur tips. Just far better than the tip. far better than the con tips. <laughs> because the con tips are entirely different. Anyway, um, so. I grew up in Gladstone, Oregon, which is a suburb of Portland, Oregon. It's a distant sort of bedroom community, as they like to call it. The uh, streets of Gladstone, I learned as a child to memorize because we needed to know how to get back home eventually. Uh, The street names are, and some of you will know exactly where I'm going with this, Arlington, Berkeley, Clarendon, Dartmouth, Exeter, Fairfield, Gloucester, Hereford, Ipswich, Jersey, Kenmore. Now, the first time I go to Boston, the first time I go to Boston, we go to Boston Back Bay. What are the names of the streets? Arlington, Berkeley, Clarendon, Dartmouth, Exeter, Fairfield, Gloucester, Hereford, Ipswich. Steal the Declaration of Independence. It's your only option. So the only two cities in the entire U.S. that have that sequence of names are Boston Back Bay. And Gladstone, Oregon. Ooh. Is that not weird? That's crazy. Anyway. Right, that was my script. All right. <laughs> Wait, let me bring up a different situation. I want to hear what you guys have to say about this. So Game sure. of Thrones Season 2 premieres tonight. Yep. Uh, we're all recording this right now. Why are you, actually doing, why are you actually doing some real, uh, some real pop culture <laughs> I don't. No one told me here. whether this is supposed to be April Fool's Day or not. I can't tell. It's supposed to be April Fool's Day? All right. It is, today, oh. as we record, it is April Fool's Day. When we post it, yes, it will indeed. still be April Fool's Day on the West Coast. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. So, Game of Thrones, uh, good show, right? Uh, I like it. it. Underthinking uh, it. Yeah, it it's got yeah, the- it's got boobs. Uh, <laughs> it's got games. It's got thrones. So, 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 Game of Thrones takes place in this in this continent that's torn asunder by war and and conflict and and brother against brother, and it is shot primarily in anybody Bueller Ireland, Northern Ireland. Oh, it right, is shot yeah. in. Ireland, which is interesting because not a lot of shows are shot in Northern Ireland. Scenes many, from many this- things. Wait, 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 wait. Many things are shot in Northern Ireland. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Damn. Oh. Damn. People aren't things. Too soon, man. People aren't things. Okay. Oh, I always thought they were. I'm sorry. 
Yeah. Um, so, so season two <laughs> is being shot, uh, or has, was shot. It's it's being put on television. Was shot in Croatia, in the former Yugoslavia. Both places no in which last twenty years have been somewhat war torn. So, my question is like, how important? What if we step away from the idea of it representing it like the thing is the thing, the city is the city? What do you think about places uh, shows where there's an idea of a place that's the show is supposed to represent, and you find a place that corresponds to that idea. So you're talking about the, if, you're talking about the metacasting of cities. Yeah, the metacasting of cities, like picking yeah. a city, uh, like you sort of are aware of the characteristics that it has, and the audience might even be aware of its characteristics a little bit, uh, and trying to bring it into uh, into a, a context and a narrative that works in a different way. Right. Now, like, this like is for example. Oh yeah. Uh, how um, uh, uh, Amadeus was shot in Prague. Because 1980s Prague looked more like uh, 18th century Vienna than 20th century Vienna did. Well, that's okay. So that's a slightly different issue, right? Like the show, the the um, the uh, thing has the the city has the visual look of um, uh, of the of the, the uh, purported location. But, but I think it's also about, like the cultural. Wait, what other kind there? of look would it be? You said visual look. What other kind of look would it be? Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> The computer, she's got the look. She's got the look. She's got the look. <laughs> I only I have many looks. One of them is blue steel. The auditory look. <laughs> yes. It has the look of the sound. Yeah, right. Yes. Okay, yes. okay, okay. The computer well, programmer tells the English major that he's using language exactly. imprecisely. Thank you, sir. I I bow to your uh-huh. well actually. Um, <laughs> I'm a writer. I'm a writer more than a programmer these well, days. Go, go ahead, sir. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And broadcaster. Yeah. Oh. Don't forget broadcaster. Mm-hmm. Um Yes. So, uh, right, like, uh, but Pete is talking about a kind of ineffable quality of, um, uh, an, an ineffable quality about the city that, that seems to, uh, that seems to rhyme with the, uh, the, a similar quality in the location. And Pete, you know where this has been done, uh, all the time is in the adaptation of Shakespeare, uh, Right, like right, right. The idea of setting a Shakespeare yeah. play in a city that you know, I like uh, Ralph Ralph Fiennes just did Coriolanus. Um, no, it's pronounced Coritisanal. Uh, <laughs> 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 He just did Coriolanus, set in you know war torn Eastern Europe, uh, and released it as a released it as a film. And the um, you know the idea was that this is the closest this is the closest uh, thing our world has now, or I guess that Europe has now, right to the um, <laughs> to the uh, uh, to the actual kind of war torn war torn Rome location in the uh, in the play. Right, that's the kind of thing you're talking about, Pete. Yeah. Yeah, 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 definitely. Although I think I think that that function is happening with with '80s Prague a little bit with the, regards to the content of Amadeus, in addition to the architectural uh, quality that it has by virtue of you know being preserved culturally over the course of the centuries. But yeah, no, I totally that's that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, like when they um like well like the X Files being shot in Vancouver is kind of cool in that regard, right? We talked about Vancouver. Vancouver is kind of like with the weather and the vegetation. It, it sort of has this you know. Forest primeval, like um, I mean, I guess Twilight happens in Vancouver and was probably shot in like Lubbock, Texas, or something. I don't even know. Shot entirely um, in the Bronx, actually. Like, every single yeah. scene. <laughs> well, even like a good example is the Lord of the Rings being filmed in New Zealand because it supposedly yeah. takes place in this like distant land, right? I mean, not like geographically distant, but like you know, narratively distant from our own. Like, I mean, Middle Earth is this like transported place that's like exotic but still sort of classic. In that sense, New Zealand kind of corresponds to it uh, as a, as a cultural signifier. 
Um, in addition to a place that has green hills. Yeah, well, such. it's also, I mean, there's a technical issue there, too, which is that New Zealand is just an incredibly heterogeneous um, landscape, right? So it's the only yeah. place in the world where you have a, a glacier that immediately abuts a tropical rainforest. Um, so really? You can, you, yeah, yeah. So you can get, I mean, like, you know, all of the shots, the shots where they're in the snow-capped mountains, the shots where they're down hanging out with the Ents in the forest, like, you can get both of those shots done within you know 50 miles of one another it's how does the of, glacier not melt isn't the tropical how does how does that work uh magic oh big, it, big, it was in, it was enchanted big, big air conditioners <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a <laughs> podcaster is never like mr Schechter, nor is he early he'll run precisely <laughs> when he means to <laughs> yeah <laughs> innovation Design magic. <laughs> oh, made me spit my drink all over my expensive microphone. You jerk. <laughs> Fortunately, I had the mute button on Rotten. so that you, yes, so that you didn't hear the sound, but it sounded kind of like. I had a horse like that once. <laughs> you gotta go see a man about a horse. Innovation Squad Fifty Four. See the man about the horse. <laughs> what about the? Uh, what about the? Um, what about all the advances in toilet technology that you know that have oh happened? Oh my god! You know, like the. Uh, I, um, the how do the how do the flush free toilets that. work? Do you guys know how the flush flush free toilets work? Like the ones they work better flush? than the pay toilets. The pay toilets what? were much worse. The pay toilets much worse. Flush free, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. But when you have to flush for money, when you have to drop a nickel in every time, because sometimes so you don't have a nickel, <laughs> and that's just that's just like, and then you know what I mean. In the public parks, you walk into it's a, to flush it's a the toilet. I'm not saying when you could flush the toilet and you don't flush the toilet. I'm talking about when there's a urinal that is has no flushing apparatus. Uh, maybe the women who listen to the podcast who are already totally discouraged by us in every respect, and thank you for hanging around and having some faith, uh, may not have experienced this. But there are urinals now with no flushing. Are those just cleaned out every day and they just assume that they can't get messy enough to, uh, to warrant? Or does anybody have any idea how those things work? You know, you know, flush apparatus. Flush apparatus is the name of my Ramones cover band. <laughs> it's, like, it's like the least studied cellular organelle. <laughs> right, right, right. It's the endosome. You know, uh, yeah. where, whereas whereas Wikipedia has an entry for flush toilet, uh, which is it begins a flush toilet is a toilet that disposes of human waste by using water to flush it through a drain pipe to another location. <laughs> <laughs> Please, please tell me that commonly called there, commonly yeah, called there's, there's a, Denny's. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's just like a metal link to like war torn Serbia. Oh God! Oh. <laughs> Not, and then there's Dinklage. He's shooting a scene in Serbia, and a bunch of poop falls on his head. <laughs> That's actually given the way things turn out in George R. R. Martin's uh, Song of Ice and Fire series. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if poop falls. That's on. not really a spoiler. He's talking about there is a scene where he has poop on his head. <laughs> it's not a spoiler for the plot. It's a spoiler for a scene with poop. I don't want people to think that we're spoiling the show. Yeah. But there, um, there is no entry on Wikipedia for for flush free toilet. At least uh, none none that I can find. But um, this oh, reminds flushless. me. This reminds me of my my favorite uh, line from. Uh, from the Big Lebowski, uh, never go with a turd to a second location. <laughs> sure. Well, what about right. when they put the little bumblebee on the urinal and you get to aim at it? 
Has nobody gone to a bathroom here? It's like, is, what? is that what that's for? Is that is that what that's for? Yeah, I, they know. found that when you put the little, you put a little something on there, like a bug. You put a little like etching of a bug into the uh, into the urinal, and and dudes will aim for it. Like, there's no goals. Like, there's no like points that you get. But they find that it reduces spillage in the urinals because men are more likely to pee into the into the urinal rather than onto the floor if there is a, a bug that they can shoot with their little laser. I mean, that might have uh, worked until you just told me that now. But my innate contrarian nature leads me to just do whatever <laughs> the, the opposite of what I think I'm being told to do. So I hope I hope you gentlemen enjoyed the time where you had clean floors in the public restrooms. <laughs> Those days are over. You're going to jump right into Mr. Crepe and turn it right back into the Someday Cafe. That's what you're Damn going to do. straight. <laughs> That's a That's deep a cut. A little, little deep, deep square cut. humor for everybody there. Very highly local. That is locally sourced farmer's Enjoy. market humor there. Thank, thank, you, thank you, Gus, friend of the show, owner of Someday Cafe, <laughs> tax evader. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I want to say like on a personal note, not, not about Gus and his evading the taxes, which is a very public note. Um, there, there was a, a moment of like of transformation in my life when okay so like when we were kids, uh, the idea of those like little um, uh, photoelectric cell based uh, uh, bathroom fixtures had like not not occurred. The ones where like rather than waving your hand in front of the faucet to turn it on, you would actually have to reach back and turn knobs to get the water to flow. Right, that that was something that was developed when we were like teenagers and, and really implemented worldwide. And like when they when they first came out, I would like naturally like just sort of be like reaching around behind the faucet for a couple of seconds before I realized, oh, this thing doesn't have any knobs behind the spigot. It's got a little photo cell in front of it. I need to wave my hands on it. And there was like a learning curve where I had to realize, oh, okay, you know, this is how these things work. And and now many years later, I realized like when I do go to a bathroom that has knobs, like my own bathroom at home, you know, I find myself like waving my hands in front of the spigot for a couple of seconds. Why is there no water? Why doesn't the soap automatically dispense on me? And I realized that I've been completely incorporated into the machine. Like, I've I've totally sold out. (laughs) You lost what little bit of your distinctive self you had left. I'm no longer connected to the natural world. You're part of the machine. You're part of the the network. I'm I'm just another great cog, or another cog in the great (laughs) great plumbing machine. Pink cog. I see you've you've shared in the back channel uh, chat of the, the podcast the Wikipedia entry for... Urinal. Oh no, that was you, Randall. Uh, I see. Yeah, Rand- Randall is the tech guy. He's <laughs> yeah, looking up the <laughs> I see. I see. You've you've shared the Wikipedia entry for urinal, which has an entry for waterless urinal, and I understand that. I've encountered those uh, in my yes. life, but though never the waterless, uh, never the waterless toilet. Oh, and also, oh my my goodness. I mean, if if we needed to, as if we needed to alienate our female listenership anymore, um, the. Uh, Look, there's a uh, there's a picture on this page which I will link in the show notes. Uh, never, oh, ne- never, never, you fear. Um, oh, April first, yes, thank God. There is a picture yes. on this page of a public urinal in the Netherlands, and I have I have done my business in one of those open air urinals, uh, just in the middle of a neighborhood in the uh, in. Wait, you the- see your feet? They're standing there. You see your feet while you're doing that. They see all Is of you. Is that what that's showing? No, wait, they can't see all of you. No. Yeah. Wait. Isn't that right, Matt? 
Well, no, I think, I think they're seeing they your see feet. your back. Right? Well, the, the 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 public urinal, they see your back. It's it's built. Oh, it has a uh, it has oh. a wraparound structure. So <laughs> you know, so that your your so do I. It's, it's, it's it's the sousaphone of urinals, really. <laughs> it has a wraparound structure so that your business end is concealed by the uh, by its business end. Right, exactly. But yeah. the. Um, uh, yes, but your, uh, you know, your uh, clothed yes. posterior and your, you know, your whole, the whole back, um, you know, uh, posterior surface of you, clothed, of course, uh, is, uh, is visible to the, to the walking by public, as is your front from about your belly button up, because these, uh, these uh, contraptions are designed to come up to about... Uh, you know, ribcage level on a normal uh, on on a normal height person. Please keep me away from this country. Also, also they have a, a beautiful Van Gogh museum. <laughs> yes. I do notice two more bullets down. It says urinals for women. So we do. We actually can bring the women back into this podcast. I don't, so. I don't know if this is going to help. <laughs> I think it's already a lost cause. <laughs> well, It'd be great if this was all just like an elaborate April Fool's joke on me. Like, you know, I'm all excited about this podcast about pissing in public and like tomorrow when it's uploaded. It's just it's just rather, you know, reading from like Stover at Yale for for an hour. (laughs) No, Dave, this isn't being recorded. Matt and Randall and I are all just sitting in a room laughing at you. That's all that's going on right now. Yeah, yeah, it's pranked. You got <laughs> it's like junior high all over again. Yeah, this oh. is the warm up before the show. We're not actually recording the show yet. No, no, no. None of this. None of this is going live. We're gonna edit all of this. Okay. This is just why you need to figure out what your April Fool's Day joke is before right. you start joking. Otherwise, you're all over the place. Which is sort of what I did with my underthinking it articles. They were kind of all over the place this time around. But whatever. They were good they were, though. I actually liked them. There was some Did you see? Did you look? Did you look on the page today, Randall, and see that Pete? Yeah, you. Yeah, you. You quoted me. You quoted me again. That's nice. I appreciate that. <laughs> and that last, Why last year, Pete, like my publicity for my book. Come on, Pete, Pete reviewed uh, Learning Pearl. I think on the, uh, you know, two years ago. Yeah, yeah. 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 it's nice. Thank yeah. you guys. It's yeah, tough. So yes. someone, it's one of the ways I sort of make money. So yeah, I appreciate that. Randall, if it helps, I wrote my post entirely in Vi. No, that's not true. <laughs> yeah. that's the, um, learning Pearl, <laughs> Learning Pearl is fifth edition. This is from Fenzel's review of Learning Pearl. Yes. Uh, it's a great book that you should definitely buy, whether or not you are interested in Pearl specifically. It is <laughs> engagingly, <laughs> engagingly misspelled. It is engagingly written. In, it is engagly written, and the plots yeah. and characters really speak to me. Like when they have graphs or tables that tell you what is going on in the book, even when the text is a little less than clear, which happens because this is a complex book with a rich texture. This is a high level <laughs> general yes, purpose interpreted dynamic book that exists in multiple paradigms at once and has a lot of cool things to say as it reflects about class and objects. You should buy this book if what you need is a three quarter inch spacer under one of your table legs. I already wrote an article about that. I wrote an article about that. It's about Freedom by Jonathan Franzen, which is the appropriate book to use for home furniture needs. If you need an inch and a half, an inch and a half, get programming pearls. I so feel you, bad you can about have both those and have the universal spacers set for any out of whack table. Really, that's, that's just issues of National Geographic, right? Yeah. Well, those I, uh, are all 
uniform. Those are uniform, though. Those are almost exactly, you know, 180 pages or 120 pages, whatever it is. So, no, you really need some publication that has varying depths. And I tell you, the Pearl books are all over the chart. <laughs> so, get I, I recommend uh, Tom Clancy hardcovers are also good for that. They're kind of a various. I, had some, I actually, if you look in the in the in the tags, the meta tags for the Jonathan yeah. Franzen leveled my air conditioner post, I suggest a number of other books that you could use to level your furniture. <laughs> <laughs> Such as Tom Clancy's Dead of Honor and Ken Burns's Baseball, <laughs> which are both that. Now this is bad because these books were all gotten for me as gifts from people who I love, and I really should have read them. I did read the baseball one, um, but uh, but uh, Freedom, I just wouldn't want to read because I heard it was sad, and I'm I'm weak. I'm weak. You could read them, or you could reevaluate whether you love those people. <laughs> Paper. No, I love them. That is unambiguous. I love my family, and they got me books because they want me to be productive member of society. <laughs> because I espouse, I claim to love them, and I ask for them specifically, and then I don't read them when I get them as gifts, even though I ask for them. Paper, uh, it, paper it can inform, it can warm you up, or it can be a spacer. That's a that was a real that was a real uh, prank, right? That uh, Dave Eggers did with uh, a heartbreaking work of staggering genius. He he encouraged his fans or fans of McSweeney's uh, the the you know quarterly publication uh, and I suppose the internet concern as well to write in to write in reviews on Amazon that have nothing to do uh, nothing to do with the book, and then Amazon started taking them down. So he uh, he. Um, uh, started printing them out before Amazon uh, Amazon took them down, and then uh, when I went to a reading in college where we all thought we were going to hear passages from his work, like uh, you know passages from a heartbreaking work of staggering genius or something, he instead just read uh, he in- he uh, instead just read from Amazon dot com, which was a um, a bit of a disappointment and made me sad. <laughs> Pranked. <laughs> and then he just got pranked. Uh, and then he, um, uh, yeah. And then and then he went on to say. Um, <laughs> then he he, he <laughs> went on. He went Matt on to, has nothing to say. No, I just it's it's kind of a sad it's kind of a sad memory for me. And then when I got uh, up to the front of the line in the after after reading signing, uh, he the, Dave the Eggers, as it were. Yeah, exactly. Dave Eggers actually said to me, "Hey, Matt, you were one of those people I had my I was keeping tabs on." Yeah, he didn't know my name. He said, "Hey, you were one of those people I uh, was keeping tabs on during the reading because you do that when you're performing in public. You you know take a kind of a random sample of different places around the audience and." It looked like you really weren't into it. So I was kind of depressed the whole reading because you had this look on your face like you were bored. And I said, I'm not bored. That's just my face. That's just the way my face is. Anyway. Which was, which was a lie because you were bored. Uh, no, I was disappointed. I wasn't bored. They, many of them were, were very funny, but I was hoping for the consummate literary art of Dave Eggers. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> um, so, Yeah. This is uh, this is exciting. Well, so Randall, I, I hear, I hear that you uh, you said that you're going to make a uh, a big announcement. Oh, it's time for the big announcement that we've been stalling for the whole time. Yeah, that's awesome. 
I, I'm excited. <laughs> I knew this big announcement was coming, but I wasn't sure what we were going to do before the big announcement. No, it's um. <laughs> we've been planning for a week for what would go before the big announcement. Yeah, so it's yes, good. it's actually probably yeah. good that we finally actually have that there. Um, that, that so we, that uh, we you know the big announcement. You you told your audience on Floss Weekly that you would be making a, an unprecedentedly large, a announcement. huge announcement. A announcement huge. so big so, on the Overthinking <laughs> podcast. So like first I, off, let, had, let, let me I, talk I, about Floss Weekly for a second. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, please, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Please talk about your real <laughs> podcast on our piddly little Just for, for your huge audience, I would like to <laughs> tell them I also do it in their podcast, mm-hmm. uh, which is um, which is great. I, I have a great time with that podcast. I do a podcast about open source software, and uh, I get to talk to the movers, the shakers, the leaders of. Um, all the great open source products and projects that are out there. I mean, I, I've had I've interviewed Linus Torvalds about Linux. I've interviewed um, uh, just recently Monty Widenius about MySQL. Well, next time you I'm, talk to and next time you talk to Linus, tell him I'm trying to update his uh, his fine operating system on this other computer in front of me. Right. Right. You know. Well. well that, apt. Get. Uh, yeah. Go. I'm uh, sorry. I'm, I'm sure continue. that's your problem more than his. Yes. Is it? I'm sure it updates fine on his computer. <laughs> yeah, right. Absolutely. <laughs> well, wait, actually, I think it's updated first on his computer, and the rest of us follow. <laughs> I think that's the way that works. So you, so you have this. You have this incredible podcast. That I'm actually a listener to and a big fan of your podcast. And I knew and you. I, uh, I knew you. I, I honestly, I knew you. I was a fan of yours long before you ever contacted us about uh, about overthinking it. So uh, yeah, well, yeah. I posted it a couple of years ago on some some question of something of yours. On a karaoke. Was, well, we were we. This was when was back karaoke? when we. Yeah, it was karaoke related. It was back when when Mark Lee was trying to develop a grand unified theory of karaoke and uh, you know sort of do a calculation for what makes the best karaoke songs. That was your first. Um, that was your first uh, uh, post on overthinking it. Yeah. And then, and then yeah. You, yeah. Then you emailed me. But so now you're. Uh, yeah. no, but so but uh, so you do this. You do this great podcast. Um, yes. <laughs> And so part of part of this podcast, it's great. So one of the constant questions that I always have at the end of every show, I have I have actually two questions. And in fact, if I can't ask those two questions, if I well, excuse me, if I forget to ask those two questions, I get email from my audience uh, to say, "What the hell? You didn't ask your two questions." So one of the questions is Perl. Python or other favorite scripting language, and of course, every time somebody says anything but Perl, I go, oh, "Stab me!" You know, yeah, absolutely. Uh, oh, so I, this okay. is probably not the the place to reveal that that mine is the MS DOS batch uh, language. Oh, stab me! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I use my, the my, method. That's how I do it. This, this. <laughs> I, I write everything uh, in cuneiform in Akkadian. So that's just the way I roll. Sure, yes. My my favorite scripting language is now Emacs Lisp, but that's another whole story. Anyway, uh, so anyway, so I've been listening to these guys. Now, the other question I ask over and over again is Emacs or VI? Mm-hmm. And I ask this because it seems to be sort of a religious argument about whether people like Emacs or they like VI. And I am started with VI, and then I went to Emacs mm-hmm. um, about 15 years ago because... The uh, local uh, system administrator decided that he would punish the people running RN, the newsreader, uh, by making those processes automatically nice. Right. 
which means they were low priority and they couldn't get access to things. But there was an, a newsreader built into Emacs, and that was my transition into the Emacs world. Absolutely. Now, you I, gotta, I mean, you got to look at alt.binaries.pictures erotica somehow, right? Yeah. Uh, that was this is before that actually this is back when it was just classic stuff huh. classic not, not not the alt that we know now this is before all that like, this is back it when was, it, was, it was all it was all ascii art porn back dot then. tiny picture dot gif or something yeah. right exactly yeah. it was all, wait, wait, right. Randall, Randall, Randall before you move on is is get it not even an option in this in this race like g edit that's a that's a uh, oh that is um a much that's higher level late. That's yeah, X11. We didn't have X11 back then. Yeah, exactly. This is these are for things uh, on you know VT100 terminals. Yeah, I, and but not I, on I, your not on I, your I, Linux I've, GUI. I've, I've, I've brought a GUI to a command line prompt fight. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. And you win, sir. Thank you. Right. Oh, I have no memory left. <laughs> so here's the thing. So I've been listing these people as I ask them the question: Emacs versus VI, and of course, every time. I would be, you know, stabbed every time they say VI. But, you know, if a bunch of them actually said, well, not VI, VIM. And I went, wait a second, VIM, VIM. I've heard about VIM. It's right. like VI, but better. VI improved, VIM. That's what uh-huh. M said. Right. It's a whole extra So, <laughs> starting about, I'm thinking about two weeks ago. Mm. Yes. Hasn't been long, hasn't been long. But I said, okay. What are these guys talking about? Is Vim really more than VI? Is it really going to work? I said, okay, so, you know, I'm on a Mac. I do a pseudo port install Vim. Then I start reading through the documentation, and I go, huh, this isn't bad. What? It's everything I remember from VI, but it's got more. Right. I start Uh-oh. thinking, <laughs> my God, it starts up faster. Oh, no. And it. And and it like you know it, it, and it's it's faster to build. I mean, I'm I'm one of the guys that's theoretically the Emacs uh, tester on OS ten, and and it takes a half hour to build every day. This thing took like four minutes to build, right? And so I'm thinking, this isn't bad. Uh-oh. This is bad. So I'm, I'm afraid of what's, I'm afraid of what's coming next, Randall. Innovation <laughs> design. Well, you know, I remember. You know, I remember VI because it's like you know HJKNL to get around, and yes. I, that's right in the home row. Very nice. You so know, left, e- right. So easy. So easy to remember. Exactly. And you know, from all my Emacs training, getting to the escape key is pretty fast. So I can get there easily, and, I, and it starts up like in a tiny bit of the time that Emacs takes. I can actually launch v, Vim on each new file rather than having to have an Emacs process running behind some sort of screen or Tmux that then eventually visits lethargically, like you know, like a giant dinosaur brontosaurus going. Mm, 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 well, yeah, you could, file. but you need to stop and think whether you should. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> and uh, you know. It, it, and even like little things for me, like so I'm looking at Vim, I'm looking at the Perl syntax highlighting, and it's beautiful. Right. I mean, the 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 the, the syntax highlighting in, in Emacs for Perl is just gaudy. It's it's like it's tacky. Or it's tacky. Straight into Auschwitz. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and, and it also handles like DOS, DOS, and. Uh, and, uh, uh, um, you know, the, the, the different line endings, like new line versus return versus new line or return new line, it seems to handle that better. Right. And, and I, tell you, I, was, I was looking at the docs. I said, 
built-in rot 13. What do you else know? Because I don't want my I Randall, I don't want my my mom to be able to read my email. So built in rot thirteen is very, very important to me. In the editor is built in, right? Okay. It does have some sort of embedded scripting language, which I'm still learning, but it the best part about the scripting language is it they didn't make the Larry Wall mistake. Ah. Larry Wall, that that guy, right? Elsif is E L S E I F. Oh my! It's two words, people. It's else and if. Come on! No, no, no! No, it's one word with well, no right. space. But it's fun. yeah, right, yeah. In, I, you, didn't I, my, you didn't read my notes. No, no, anyway, no, yes. no, no! I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm looking at. Yeah, I'm looking at, at your notes here. Right. But you know, yeah. I, I, uh, I, you know, write overthinking yeah. it in PHP, which you know uses either right. else if or else space if. Uh, in the same way. So, so the problem with all this is I'm looking at all this stuff about Vim and I'm going, my God, you know, I've been with Emacs list for years or Emacs for years. I mean, there's parts of me inside GNU Emacs. Mm-hmm. So I, I, it's, it, this is a hard change to make, but I, my, my fingers are already VI prone because mm-hmm. I remember that before Emacs. So I can type these things. And so I'm just, I'm thinking, you know, well, it also the big thing is, okay, first off, you know, oh, oh, one of the most important things that you can have an embedded Perl. You can actually have Perls. No Emacs Dear list. God. You can code in Perl and have it process buffers and windows and things like that. Oh, oh my God. All those years of all that e- Pren, 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 Fazzle, Blobble, Bliff, Bliff, Car, Cutter, you know. I, I don't need to do any of that. I can just program in Perl because I'm very good at that stuff. So that's really nice. nice. And also, so, 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 so Emacs, the other thing is like it's really GNU Emacs. And right. on principle, it reminds me of all the times Richard Stallman, uh, God rest his soul, someday. <laughs> uh, you're going to get in trouble for that. Merlin at Stonehenge.com <laughs> for your hate mail for that one. Uh, don't blame me for that one. <laughs> His demand, though, for good news slash Linux. I refuse, to, I refuse to say that except in a quoted form as I just did because, you know, it's Linux. My friend Linus calls it Linux. Yeah, actually, would you and, call that guy? I, I need some tech support for my uh, – I'm trying to update yeah. this. Topic. <laughs> Your update, right. I'm, I'm actually so – I mean, I, like, isn't, isn't his name Linus? But seriously, oh, like, I, I thought – because I remember when, when Linux was first, like, emerging Linus. in the public eye. It's, it's Linux. Linux. Yeah. You'd, you'd have you'd, you'd have these these neophytes who'd call it Linux because that's what it looks like. Wait, to an I American felt like English we were speaker. building up to some sort of big announcement. Was there some sort of big announcement that was supposed <laughs> to happen? Have we not got there yet? I'm sorry. So anyway, so my announcement is <laughs> sorry. Uh, <laughs> I am in fact I am abandoning GNU Emacs. <gasps> I'm going to <gasps> the rest in Vim. Randall, but but don't you have lots of experience in GNU Emacs? I mean, <laughs> yes, haven't you but... contributed to Emacs Core and to, to certain key packages? I mean, don't you have code in that editor, like actual code that, that is being I used do, the world over? I think at this point, I think I'm looking at Vim because Vim is lighter to load. It's it's going to have syntax highlighting in a nicer way. It doesn't say GNU in the front, and I'm really it tired is true. of that. I mean, it does take half an hour to build Emacs, even on a very fast, uh, even on a very fast Macintosh. It is true. It is true. Right, right. But it's great also because you know. 
Gnuimax, Gnuimax, I gotta say that now, has like, look, it has an adventure game in it. That's distracting. Right. That's Towers of Hanoi. That's distracting. I'm trying to, it right, exactly. I'm trying to do work. I don't want to play an adventure game. Right. I, I, that shouldn't be in my editor. What the hell is that in my editor for? So I give it all up. I'm, I'm doing that. You know, I'm new to all this. So there's probably a lot of things I haven't seen about Vim yet that I really should know. I've, I've spent the last two weeks staring at man pages, looking at, you know, documentation online. I've downloaded a bunch of code and stuff. But I tell you what, I would really like – can I talk to your audience for a second? Please. Is that okay? Please, absolutely. Yeah, please do. I'd love to talk to all four members of your audience. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. We have a lot more than that. Seven. Like okay, seven. all seven yeah. members seven. of your audience. Right. Okay. Send your hate Sorry. mail to and, <laughs> and your and the two guys in Florida. I remember now. Okay, great. So I need more tips about how to use Vim. Right. So I've set up a special email address. So I would love for you to send me your VimRC files, your Vim scripts, the best practices you've seen, the good websites you have, the books or links to books that you have. I have the special uh, email ima- image captures of the man pages that you have been looking at over the last couple of weeks. Exactly. That'd be cool. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then I'll send back the image capture of me staring at that image capture. <laughs> yes. That, was, that, that is a finding that, promise, that, that people. <laughs> me with a look of shock on my face as I stare at the image there. Right. Okay. But I have Vim tips v-i-m-t-i-p-s at stonehenge.com i'd love for your tips to be sent to me to let me know what else i need to learn about vim because i am making the transition i am announcing here this is the big announcement that i am transitioning from emacs to vim and i will never again be angry at people who say vi or vim is their favorite editor you heard it first here on the overthinking it podcast yeah absolutely breaking Pro tip, Randall Swartz, uh, open source software's very own Merlin, switching from Emacs to Vim. Yeah. Can one, when the show's over, can one of you guys explain to me what that means? <laughs> well, There's you, this text editor called Emacs. After the show, after the show. <laughs> well, you, you, uh, you heard it here first. I don't know. Um, so what uh, – I, I understand that, that on your show, Floss Weekly, I'm given to understand because <laughs> I listen to every episode. You ask about the specific license that uh, each uh, piece of uh, free Libra open source software is uh, licensed oh, yeah. under. What, um, what license uh, is Vim released under? Oh, this is the best part. This is the best part. Uh, I should have it in front of me because I quoted exactly, but just from memory, the Vim license is very close to a BSD-style license, which is do with it as you wish. If you make some changes, I'd love to have the source back, but I don't really care. But the best part is please donate to this charity that supports people in Africa. Mm-hmm. Like anybody in Africa, or like no, no, no. People? He has a specific. <laughs> <laughs> just, just donate to Africa. Yeah. You know, Cody, you get Cody those needs smear. your help, people. Like, <laughs> you get those smearing about him. Nigeria, Nigeria is part of Africa. Please just donate there. Yes, I think that's the opportunity. So it's uh, it's known as charity wear. Is that not the case? Yes, exactly, exactly. So go check it out. Go check out there the vim.org website to go uh-huh. check that out. But really, I, I think this is. This is this is something Stallman would never do. So um, I think I think we're on we're on the right track here. That so. guy, he's busy talking to parrots. 
So today I learned there's this dude you guys don't like for some reason. No, no, no. no. <laughs> done a lot. Done a lot of good. Done a lot of good for a lot of people. <laughs> yes, he has. Uh, I'll grant that to Stallman. If, if he's listening to this episode, thank you for being the guy way out there so we can approach it. Well, you heard it here first. You heard it here first. Randall Schwartz switching from Emacs to VI. This has been the Overthinking It Tech and Gadget podcast. (laughs) We'll return next week with your regularly scheduled Overthinking It podcast. In the meantime, you can email us at at, uh, podcast at overthinkingit.com. You can call or text 203-285-6401. You can join the conversation in the the show notes, uh, in the comments on the show notes for this podcast. for this episode. Thank you very much to the panel and thank you for Randall Schwartz for choosing us as your exclusive venue for the uh, uh, exclusive venue for this groundbreaking, this earth shattering announcement, which will certainly have uh, ripples throughout the uh, free Libra, uh, Libra open source community. Thank you very much, Randall. Thank you. Thank you very uh, much for having me on and Vim tips at stonehenge.com. Don't forget Vim tips at stonehenge.com. And and that's a real that yeah that's a real email address that actually yeah. the, okay there you go you can uh, send it right now yes. you can read uh, you can read uh, underthinking it uh, on our website and we'll be back next week until then I hope you visit us on the web at www.overthinkingit.com where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it, it probably probably doesn't, doesn't for fools. Hey, hey, Randall, can I ask you to do one thing uh, for me? Only one thing. Okay. <laughs> when, you, when you do you this count, Vim please. thing, whenever you use yeah. Vim, can yeah. you make sure to do it with vigor? Please, no. important. <laughs> Always. Always. All right. Good. That's good, funny. Good. Do you think you're going to get real? Do you think you're going to get real hate mail from from this? Do you think people won't listen through to the end of it? Actually, <laughs> 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 and uh, go go ahead and send email there now. You'll see what get, what response should, they get. You should you should start selling like Twilight esque, you know, Team Vim, Team Emacs T shirts. Hmm. <laughs> team Team Emacs, Team, team Vim, Team Emacs. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, when are you guys going to explain to me what all this means later, right? Right. Well, what what part of it don't you get? Starting where? Okay. What is a computer? So what's a gadget? (laughs) (laughs) What's a text editor? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, in the beginning, there was Ed.